Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we give honor to you, Lord. We give honor to you, Lord. Exodus 33, verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. It came to pass when everyone who sought the Lord went out to that tabernacle outside the camp. And so it was whenever Moses went out to that tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord, who knows, talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. It probably felt a whole lot then like it feels now. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And Moses would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I want to preach to you today. If you were here in the first service, you heard me preach, go. And here in this holy presence of the Lord, I believe God is calling us to stay. Would you ask him to speak to you right now? Continue to move and minister on you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. hungry for you Lord speak through your inspired words speak today I pray in the name of Jesus thank you Lord in Jesus name amen and you may be seated Aaron was Moses's brother and assistant pastor Aaron was right by Moses' side from the day they led the first Pentecostal church of Israel out of Egypt until this day. Moses had climbed the mountain to spend more time with God, just one-on-one -on -one time with God, and he left Aaron alone with the people. After a few days of pastor being gone, the, the people got restless. They knocked on Aaron's office door, and they, they watched as their leader climbed the mountain and disappeared out of their sight to spend time with God. But Moses said, I'm going to make sure somebody's in charge in my absence. You can't leave two to three million people alone. You never know what's going to happen. So he assigned a substitute teacher. We remember how we treated subs. 
He left his loyal assistant pastor and older brother Aaron in charge. And after a few days of Moses gone, the people were restless. They knocked on his door and they said, do something, Rev. Pastor's gone. You're the man. Do something. Make us gods we can worship. Gods that led us out of Egypt. Aaron knew they were ready to riot, so he caved. Millions of them, one of him. So he set out a few offering plates and everybody threw in their earrings and bracelets and necklaces and threw them all into the plates. And Aaron went right to work. Melted the metal and molded the metal into a golden calf. The people saw a golden calf that they watched with their own eyes as Aaron made. And they said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. The calf could not part a puddle, much less the Red Sea. But Aaron nodded. They're happy. They're not going to revolt. He's happy. The people seem to be happy. Everybody's happy, but not everybody was happy. Because on top of the mountain, God let Moses know the people down at the base of the mountain have lost their mind and their morality. And if he doesn't do something about it, God is going to do something about it. So Moses came down from the mountain, reached the camp, appalled at what he saw. He saw God's holy people whom God just delivered out of Egypt. He saw them dancing unclothed and unrestrained in front of a golden calf just days after God told them never to have graven images or gods before him. Moses tried to get their attention, but how do you get two million people's attention in the throes of a party? I've been at Chuck E. Cheese before when somebody told me, all right, you tell the kids it's time to eat. I say, you tell kids it's time to eat. Six-year-olds, that, that machine just spit out 60 tickets at that kid. Good luck getting him for pizza. And Moses looked in his hands at the two tablets God had just etched in stone and given him, and with all his might, Moses threw the Ten Commandments and shattered them into a puzzle of stone. That got their attention. Moses drew a very clear line. He said, either you're with God or you're against him. And on that day, 3,000 Israelites against God died at the hands of those with him. For Israel, this newly minted free nation, this was one of her darkest days yet. Times had changed since the day they called on the Lord to deliver them until the day they worshiped a calf for delivering them. Moses climbed back up the mountain and fell on his face before God and he prayed a prayer for the people that saved their life. That prayer ends Exodus 32 and God's answer opens Exodus 33. God told Moses to get away from that sinful sight in March. Israel knew they had sinned. They knew what they had done. They knew they were probably done, but they did not know what God would do. God could have judged every one of them. He could have walked away from every one of them and he would have been right and they would have been wrong. Because they have sinned and they have walked away from God. Let me just say this very quickly. If you ever find yourself far from God, he did not walk away from you. But God in his grace still promised to give them the promised land just like he promised them before. He said, you will still have all the meat, milk to drink and the honey to eat. You'll still raise your families and open your businesses and plant your gardens and spoil your grandkids. You'll have everything I promised before, but I will not go with you. But I will send an angel to lead you and fight for you. But I will not go. They're going to have everything they could possibly want. They just won't have the presence of God. So from the outside looking in, all the nations looking in at Israel could see that it seems like they have everything they need. They are blessed. They're winning their battles. They're, they have all the milk they could drink and honey they could eat. And they're building their businesses and they're opening their businesses and they're opening up their homes. 
all they're missing is the presence of the Lord. And God says, if you'll, Moses, if you'll shake hands on that deal, you've got yourself a deal. I think some of the children of Israel lobbied Moses. Moses, I know how, I know how radical you are about needing God. I get it. He's done a lot for you. I understand that. But listen, let's, let's talk this over for a minute. We should be destroyed, but he said he would give us the land he promised to give us. So before you say no, let's think this through for a moment. It could be much worse. God could be much more mad at us, but he's not. We still get an angel. He'll lead us. He'll fight our battles for us. We get to live in a land, a lush land that flows with milk and honey. We get all the perks and all the promises of God, and all we lose is the presence of God. I don't know, Moses. Does it sound like that bad a deal to me? What do you think, Moses? Do you think we can live without the presence of God? Is his presence that precious to us? What if God made the same deal with us? As we are now two months into 2024, we don't know what the remaining 10 months hold. We don't really know anything that's going to happen for sure. We're going to have a lot of services in 2024. You're going to sing about, I think... Average around maybe 600 songs a year or so. Hear about 150 sermons and lessons. Some several fellowships. Probably, sadly, a few funerals. Hopefully a lot of weddings and baby dedications. A lot of water and spirit baptisms. It's going to be a busy year. And to everybody looking from the outside in, looking on social media, looking at our website, it's going to look like we have everything going on, that we're doing everything right. But what if we're not? What if we're having good church just because we've known how to have good church for so many years that we've gotten good at having good church? What if we know what gets people on their feet or on their face? We know how to make people laugh and how to make people cry. We know how to have good church, but when has good church ever saved anybody? What if God made the same deal with us he made with Moses? You can have everything. Sing all the fast songs you want. Sing all the slow songs you want. Sing the old ones. Sing the new ones. Preach loud. Preach soft. Teach through all the Bible topics on Wednesdays you want to teach through. You can have all the music and all the messages, all the socials your heart desires. I'll even send an angel to guard the door. I just won't be there. What would your generation say to that deal? Let me speak to the young people, to the young adults, to a techie, Social media savvy, creative, gifted generation. Is the presence of God as precious to you as it is to our elders? Would you still have church here without God here? If you could feel the same, but it wouldn't be the same, would you still have church without the presence of God? I know church has changed a lot back in my day. We used to sing words off a transparency projector. And there was a transparency policeman or woman who policed the transparencies. The really ardent ones would not let you read more than one word or one line at a time. So we're singing a song. We've come to praise him. We've come to praise him. We've come to praise him and lift his holy name. And then you should see him trade out the transparency one for another. It's like make Wyatt Earp proud. But again, one, one line. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. 
When I grew up in my teen years, we had an orchestra pit, trumpets, saxophones, flutes. We had some precious rhythmically challenged souls who tried to play the tambourine. They didn't play it well, but they played it. God bless their hearts. And yes, I know what God bless their hearts means, and I mean every word of it. It was different back in our day. Back then, just quite frankly, we needed God. We didn't have much else but him, but let's be honest, we're better now. We've been at this for a while now. We've got it better now. We know what we're doing. We're, we're getting good at it. Our music is much better. Our buildings are much more beautiful. They're much bigger. We can sing our favorite songs, bring in our favorite speakers, throw in a few stick dramas just for variety. We've got videos that, that can jerk a tear from the driest high. We know what we're doing. We could have church, and it would be good church. Without God here, we could impress a lot of people. We could entertain a lot of people. People would walk away wild, but nobody would walk away saved. Is that a deal worth making? I've only been here since Friday. I've had an awesome time, but I know the lenders, and I know what I have felt here, and I know that if you came for entertainment, you came to the wrong church, but if you came for an encounter with God, if you came for an opportunity to hear from God and feel the presence of God, if you came for an opportunity to get right with God, you came to the right place. If you're here because you need God in your life and somebody somewhere told you, you can come here because God is here. You heard it right. The presence of the Lord is here. May it ever be said of heaven view. May it ever be said of King and Taylorsville and Statesville and anywhere else where you have impact and influence. When you come here, we don't know what you're going to hear. We don't know what you're going to sing. But I promise you this, God will be in this place. And if for whatever reason he's not in this place, I say we stop everything. We fall to our face and get on our knees until we know assuredly that God is in this place. Because when they come through the doors, they don't want to hear me. They don't want to see me. But they have come to hear him. And they have come to see him. They know I can't deliver them from addiction, but they've heard somewhere that there is a God in heaven who is stronger than addiction. Praise God. God waited for Moses to respond. How would he respond? Would he shake hands on that deal and keep marching to the promised land and leave God behind in the wilderness? And Moses did not answer. He just broke out a hammer and nails and he began pitching the tent of meeting so he could talk with God. And with every blow of that hammer and every setting of that stake for that tent of meeting, that tabernacle where he could meet with God, Moses wasn't saying a word, but he was speaking volume, sending a clear message to the people of God. We cannot make it without the presence of God. We cannot make it without the Spirit of God. An angel is not a substitute for the presence of God. Good singing is not a substitute. Good feeling is not a substitute. A motivational message is not a substitute for the Spirit of God. We need the presence of Almighty God. I feel that fire like Moses felt. We need the presence of God. We're just another group in another building meeting in Winston-Salem on a Sunday unless we have the presence of God. But when we have the presence of God, we are the church of the living God that hell itself cannot stand against the church of the living God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God.
the Lord is everywhere, but this, this passage refers to that manifest presence of God to those precious times when God visits us much like he has on this afternoon. And we can know of a fact, God is here. God is here. Paul said in his letters that there will be a day where people will come in and they will bow down and they will say, surely God is among you. Let that be our testimony. When people walk in those doors, I pray they feel love. I pray they feel welcome. But most of all, I pray they feel the presence of God. And I don't know what I felt. I felt something I've never felt before. I want to know what it is. That was the presence of the Lord reaching for you. Because God is here. They were all on high alert. How would Moses respond? Moses pitched the tent of meeting. And then they realized we've just buried 3,000 friends and family. And they know they might be next, so they kept a real close, keen eye on Moses as he walked through the middle of the camp and he headed for that tent of meeting where he would meet with God. Everybody came out of their tent and they just stood there at their tent door at attention as they watched as Moses walked through the camp toward the tent. What would God say? What would God do? And following Moses was his assistant, Joshua, who walked into that tent with him. As soon as Moses disappeared from sight, the glory of the Lord fell and rested at the door of that humble tent and God spoke with Moses like a man would speak with his friend. Everybody saw the glory of God fall and everybody else fell on their faces in the presence of the Lord. The presence of God turned sinners into worshipers because his presence does that. God had their undivided attention. Moses had his answer and he had talked with God. God had talked with him. And now it's time for him to step out into the sunshine and say to the people what God said to him. And Moses did. He started out of the, toward the camp, but Joshua was missing. Two went into the tent and one came out. Joshua was still inside. Moses' assistant, so surely to be Moses' main man, his dad must have been a preacher and his mom must have been a prayer warrior. We don't know anything about his mom. And we know one thing about his dad. His dad's name was Nun, and that's all we know. Which tells me, it doesn't matter what your parents are or aren't. If you are hungry for God, he will reach for you. <laughs> I hope that's good news for somebody whose parents may not, even be, may not even believe in God, and they might fight you because you do. But if you're a Joshua in this generation, you can have an experience with God, no matter what your parents have or haven't experienced in their life. You can have a walk with God. Joshua walked into the tent and into an encounter with Almighty God, and it was enough for him to ignore every other to-do list and just spend time in the presence of the Lord. Something beat inside his heart that said, if God is here, I want to be here. Joshua had things to do. He's Moses' second, maybe third in command behind Aaron. He had a lot to do. It's a mega church, two to three million people. There's something to do. You got to sign up for youth convention, got to get to musicians practice, got to ask that family to watch the dog before we leave for vacation, got to sign up for praise team. There's a lot to do. Type the lyrics on the screen, turn on the screen, find the projector, turn it on. Joshua has a lot, but he has nothing better to do on that day. Nowhere better to be than in the presence of the Lord, which is why Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. It's okay, Josh. Moses is gone. You can leave if you want. And I have a feeling Joshua would say, you know, if it's all the same to you, I'd like to stay. Everybody's turn off the lights, Josh. That's okay. I'll use my phone. I'll get out. 
be all right. But I'd like to stay. We're hungry. We're deciding between Wendy's and Dario, and you're the deciding vote. It's all tied. Where you want to go? You know, you guys go ahead. I'll catch up maybe, but I've never felt anything like this before. Moses has told me all about it, but I've never felt it. But now that I have, I don't want to leave. Really, I'd just like to stay as long as I can. Winnie Joshua's in our day who were longing, hungry, willing to stay in the presence of the Lord. Or we're not in a hurry when we come to the altar. I believe God is looking for Joshua's young men, young women, men and women who are wanting to soak their soul in the presence of the Lord. And in those moments when your eyes are closed and your heart is wide open, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Even if everybody's already walking around shaking hands, but God is still reaching for you. The Spirit of God is calling you to stay at the altar until you have had everything you want from God, need from God. And our generation of fast-paced, jet-setting, globe-trotting, ultrapreneurial go-getters who just scream, go, 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 go. I hear the Spirit calling us softly to stay. Would you stand with me? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. In the first service, I preached to you, go. This service, I preached to you, stay. It's not an either or, it's a both and. If we only stay in here to have good church, but we never go, we're out of the will of God. But if we only go, 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 and work for God, but neglect our walk with God, we're out of the will of God. It's not an either or. It is a both hand. When the glory of God fell on that little tent, everybody else just stood there behind their welcome mat and watched as the presence of the Lord fell. But Joshua wasn't like everybody else. Joshua tugged on Moses' sleeve and said, if you're going to the tent of meeting... Is that where God meets with you and talks with you? Yeah. Would it be okay if I went too? I love your stories, Moses. I love to sit around the fire and just listen to you tell me stories about how God spoke to you out of a burning bush and how God spoke to you and how he showed you that he was God by you threw down a stick and it became a snake and you put your hand in your robe and brought it out. It was leprous and I'm sure that freaked you out. So you put it back in. Oh, that was close. Those stories are amazing, Moses. But I'd like a few of my own. I love your testimonies. I love your miracles. I love when the missionaries come through and they tell what God is doing all around the world. But boy, I sure would love to see with my own eyes some miracles of my own. And I believe that the Lord is telling us that we will see and we will witness. But first of all, we need to learn how to stay in the presence of the Lord. Where are you, Joshua? God didn't need a nation. He didn't need a tribe. He didn't even need a family. He just needed one who said, I will find my, my place in the presence of God and I will stay as long as I can so I can be with my God as long as I can. If you want that, if that's who you are, if that's where you are in your walk with God, would you come around this altar, find a place to kneel and pray. Please don't be in a hurry.
I know we're going to King, so I know those have to leave in a moment, but if you don't have anywhere you have to be, would you just come around this altar and stay? Maybe you'll come here and you'll just listen for the voice of God for a while and you'll pray and you'll cry and you'll talk to him. But if you'll stay, you'll hear from him. Let's just be in the presence of the Lord.